Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, I was just thinking how God takes us through seasons. Guys, there's no way to get around that. You know, sometimes we think we have to do certain things in certain seasons. God always wants us victorious, but we have to recognize our seasons are so different. And we have to understand the season that we're in because there's a training that goes on in whatever season you're in, whatever area, what you're doing, right? I was just thinking this was coming to my mind in praise and worship this morning how God put David, uh, an anointed servant of the Lord, in a strange season. I mean, here he is. He's anointed by Samuel. You're going to be king. He's getting trained. He's developing. But the last thing that's going to get developed in him or the last series of things, it has to be done in the wilderness, when he's persecuted, when he's not, so to speak, it's just it's a, it's a crazy thing, right? And he can't get away from that season. Y'all see what I'm saying? And so, I want you just to understand this. I'm not I'm not telling you your um, your wilderness season is forever. But what I was just seeing, I believe, by the Holy Spirit today, is how. God brings us into places, unique places of victory in unusual seasons. And some of those seasons are not a season of increase. He brings us back. And I was going, wow, look at all that David went through. And it was each decision. You see, when David's in this wilderness, he's not... He is not um, going, oh, I'm going to be defeated. He's living in victory every day. He's overcoming. He's defeating enemies. He's doing, he, but in his realm, you see, uh, it's interesting. If you look what he was doing um, and, and, and had the, the battles that they had, but in their realm, they were overcoming. We okay here? Okay. Anyway. And we're in, in his realm, he was overcoming. But it was in his little realm. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And I, 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 was, I was thinking today, I've always seen that final moment as the climax of what God was doing in him. And maybe it was the climax, like where, you remember where at Ziklag, y'all remember David had his worst trial and he's crying Everything's gone bad. It's the worst things ever happened to him. And he cried. And then he realizes, if I don't shake myself out of this, I'm, I'm going to be killed. So he encourages himself in the middle of it. It's like another trial, another trial. Another, and here's the worst trial. And he's been in that wilderness for years, guys. You, you see what I'm saying? You, can you just feel how, we, how he's thinking here? And then what he does is he just decides, okay, it looks like God let me down. It looks like God's not coming. And then he, he as you know the story, because I've shared it so many times, he strengthens himself and he rises above it in his faith. You see? And when he does that, that's the final thing. But, you know, that that's the final thing but that's not the only thing God did in that wilderness and that's just one thing after the other right he had to be willing to be at peace in a place knowing there's something to come but he's walking this thing out because he understands he's in a process and he can't mess up the process y'all see what I'm saying he can't mess up the process he can't take things in his own hands. He's, he's got to keep walking with God that whole while, doing things God's way, letting God be the one that gives him the victory. Do you see? Because that's what he's learning there. 
Man, and one thing after the other, he, he goes to this one place to defend them. The, the name, I call it Keilah. I'm not sure the right way to pronounce it, but he goes there and he defends these people from other armies. And you see, um, he, he goes, um, God, will these people did, did I just say, um, give me up to King Saul if I stay here? And God goes, yes, they will. And he goes, ah. so he leaves, right? But I'm just thinking, look, that's the test. Number one, he's defending these people. He lays down his life, risks his life and the life of his men for these people. He saves them from these armies. And then guess what? What does he do? He leaves knowing they would, they would turn him to Saul, which would mean to kill him after he's done that good deed for them. And I'm just thinking, all of that being rejected by those he helped, that was, and him having the right attitude, God, we did that towards you. Lord, I forgive those people. You, you see what I'm saying? All of that, the time when he's in the, the cave, and he could go, and everybody's going, kill him, kill him, kill him. Saul's right there. You can kill him. He's got, what, 600 men in a cave. It must have been one huge cave. And he's just looking there, and King Saul is there all by himself, relieving himself. And everybody said, you know, kill him. You can have it now. You can, you can win now. It's so simple. And it looks like God did this. That's another crazy thing. You see, sometimes it might look like God has opened a door. But deep down, you know, this isn't God. You, you see what I'm saying? This isn't right. It looks like it's going to answer my prayers. Circumstantially, it looks like God opened this door. But you know, deep down, something's not right with it. Something's not right. And you see, he could have, he could have had a prayer answer just like that. And if you remember, he even cuts off a part of Saul's garment, but he doesn't kill him. And later he goes, look, my heart says, don't, don't do this. Don't take it into your own hands. You see, now, what I'm trying to say here is he had to go through that trial to get that out of him because there was that part where he had to choose what was right. And you see, you develop not before the trial, but in the trial, when you choose what to do in the trial. Do, do you understand that? So David wasn't made in that particular um, area of character until after he chose to not kill Saul, until after there was this great opportunity, and it looked like God and he knows this is the guy that's been trying to kill him. And he goes, I can't do it. Do you feel what I'm saying? That's where he was made. Now, he was made enough. You see, he had enough God on the inside of him through the process he'd already been through to be able to see that was wrong and to go, no. But there's no doubt about it. Him saying no, which he almost didn't made him go to the next level that day. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Is that not amazing? And you see, it's one trial after the other, after the other, after the other, and him doing all the things he needed to do. He can't force his next season to come, but he can learn to enjoy God where he is, to know God's going to take care of him. He's not going to let King Saul kill him. He is going to make it out. He is going to be blessed. God's word is going to come to pass. But it's all about the trial, the season of preparation for David to be who he's supposed to be, to get there God's way. Amen? Amen. And I just want to say, God has a purpose, a place for every one of us. He's got a call on our lives. All of our trials will be unique, but God's bringing us to a place. Each one of us are going to have to make decisions all along the way. This little decision, 
that little decision. And sometimes they're in difficult situations and it looks like we ought to have an easier way to make those decisions. And God, there'll be the easy way out. The easy way out so many times. But let me tell you, when you choose God and that still small voice, when it looks like, you know what? I ought to just do it this way. But you know, deep down with that little tiny voice, God's built enough on you to make the right decision. Man, I'm telling you, every time you do that, you're building something in you. So that when God blesses you, it's going to be God and not you. It's going to be all God and not half God. You, know, you see what I mean? And I've seen some people blessed, and I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I think maybe as a few areas, they start change God and they weren't ready in some areas. But if you do things God's way, God will have you fully prepared for what he's got in front of you. Amen? Amen. And that day where David decided to not give into discouragement, that was overwhelming. None of us, I doubt, have ever been in a situation as bad as that was. And yet he goes, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust God. It looks like we've already lost. It looks like the damage is already done. But this, this just can't be right. And then he prays, he encourages himself. That was his last trial. Do y'all see what I'm saying? He could have run away. He could have run away and he just said, my men were going to kill me. I had to run away. I could hear his testimony to people. What about your God? Well, I don't understand. God's very mysterious. I was in a situation. If I hadn't run away, they would have killed me. You understand what I'm saying? That would have been his testimony. God messed me up. God didn't come through for me. I had to run away and be saved. Otherwise, I'd have been killed, right? But that ended up not being his testimony only because he didn't give in to that trial. Amen? Amen. So David was being matured. Everything he went through, every decision he made in difficulty, you know, if, if you have to make decisions in where that are all easy, you don't grow. Right. If you don't have to make some choices that are against your flesh, against what's naturally easy, you don't grow. It's the time when you have to choose God, contrary to circumstances, contrary to what's easy. And you choose God, and you make a decision, you're going to do that, and you're going to be firm, and you're not going to waver. That's where you grow. And when you don't feel it, that's when you grow. Man, David did over and over in that wilderness season. David chose God. David chose what was not easy over and over and over. For David, it ended up being years. And we never know when we are ready, do we? You understand you know what I mean? You don't know exactly when you're ready. You don't know when the culmination of all the things you've been through has brought you to where you need to be for God to bring you to your next place. But I guarantee you, God will take you through things to make you who you need to be. And that's why you need to rejoice when you're going through various trials. You see? You need to be able to be going through difficulties in life and to be able to say, I know this is nothing but a test. It's just a trial. And God's going to bring me through this and he's going to bless me. Amen? Amen. My time will come when you begin to understand that. You begin to have a new level of peace where you are. Nothing's wrong with being where you are. There's nothing wrong about your situation. It's not because of something you did. Now, it might be David got in a trial later in his life because of something stupid he did. But for most of us, when you're serving God, most of the big thing you go to the trial, God allowed it to happen because he's going to do something good in you. He's going to develop you, mature you, raise you up. Prepare you for the call of God on your life and what you're supposed to do. And you can never become that in times of ease. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So, man, wherever you are in life, I just want to say, look to God. Be encouraged. Know that God's with you. You don't have to be discouraged, upset, distressed about where you are, about what you're going through. It's just part of the plan. You having difficult choices to make. You having to go through trials and difficulties. Rest and knowing that God's going to come through for you. That's part of you growing up. If God made it easy, man, there'd be no growth. Faith grows, not in good times. Faith grows in difficult times. Faith grows in dark times. Faith grows when everything's against you. Now, I'm not just talking about putting your chin to the wind and going forward in life. I'm talking about having faith. And faith that says, I'm going to go forward in God wherever I am. David was in the wilderness, but he was continually overcoming. He began to, he would, he would overcome armies in the wilderness. He would defeat foreign armies in the wilderness, but he wasn't doing it in the promised land. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wasn't where God was going to bring him, but he was being trained. Amen. Do you know you're being trained where you are? You're being trained through what you're going through. Those trials you've been going through, those decisions you've been having to make, those things you've had to work through, that's God preparing you for something in front of you that God got. Amen? Amen. Man, that's the good thing. That's the really, really good thing. And I love that God does that. Praise God. Today I want to talk to you about going forward. Going forward in God. God hadn't called you to sit still. God hadn't called you to just be passive and, you know, be a Christian and float through life. You need to engage with God, and you need to go forward with God. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to have fireworks show up when you start doing this. But I can tell you something. If you start going forward with God, you're going to start going forward in life. I know that will happen. I know that will happen. How it's going to happen, that's up to God. But if you go forward with God, you'll go forward in life. That's just the way things work. And I will tell you this. I believe this very, very fully. There's been a film somehow, and I'm not saying God did this by any means, but there has been a film come on this world. It's like a film of darkness. There's been a film come on many people in the church. Again, it's like something that weighs down, like darkness. It's kept people from being zealous from God. It's kept people from being from running with God. It's caused people, people to still say, oh, I'm still good, I'm still this, but they're not staying firm. It's not a consistent going forward in God. It's like a, I don't know, lazy Christianity. Maybe we'll call it that. But I, I want to tell you right now, I believe this fully in my heart, and I hope you'll grab hold of it. I believe you can grab hold of it by the Spirit of God if you listen. Because what happens, if I'm inspired and, uh, and you listen, Faith will ignite on the inside of you if you believe. You see what I'm saying? It's an interesting thing. But anyway, today I, I want to sort of highlight some things I mentioned last week and then go forward in that. But I want, I'm going to go back to that thing about prayer um, and our absolute need for, for prayer in our lives to go forward. And if we need more than prayer, but we're going to start out with this part today. Um, you need prayer to have a relationship. You got to have prayer to have faith. I don't believe you can have faith for life without prayer. You know, I can get into the word. I can hear certain things, but if I don't bring them to God, I don't have faith in my situation. I don't have confidence for breakthrough. I don't have confidence to go forward. I don't have confidence to see. I can say so in my mind. But there's one thing to say that, and there's another thing to be in a bad situation. And I believe in God in my situation. You see, 
That has become through the Word of God and through prayer. You've got to pray if you want to have faith in life. you got to pray if you want to have that connection with God. And you've got to pray if you want breakthroughs in life. If you need a miracle, the way to get it is through prayer. And you can't pray doubting. James says if you pray doubting, don't even expect you're going to get what you're praying for. Well, you might go, well, how can I believe? Well, you got to get in the Word of God. And the Bible says, get out any kind of doubt. And how many places in the Word of God does it say, if you are asked, you receive? Why didn't Jesus say, if you ask, you can't really expect to always receive? Now, we do have things that say, if you're fleshy, if you're living world, if you're living for yourself, you can't expect your prayers to be answered. You're just living for yourself. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? But we ought not to any of us be living that way. We should be putting God first, living for God, and we should be expecting our prayers to be answered. It wasn't he saying in Mark, ask and believe that you receive what you got and you'll get it. Why did Jesus even tell us something like that? That crazy word, because he knows the battle is in asking and also in believing. Amen? Amen. Man, the Bible emphasizes praying and receiving. Praying and receiving. Praying and getting answers from heaven over and over and over. But we act like that doesn't work. And there's a reason being, and I believe it's somehow... There's, there's a battle between when we decide to pray and when we receive the answer. Sometimes we pray starting out believing, but by the time a day or two goes by, we don't feel like believing anymore. We start praying less, and before long, we even forgot to pray about the thing, and we're just living in doubt. <laughs> you see? But if you committed to prayer, what, what are you doing? You're fighting doubt. You're fighting that unbelief because there's spiritual forces. You're fighting that fear. You're getting that off of you, and you're growing in your faith, and you're believing God for what you've been asking for. That's how prayer works, and that's why prayer is a battle. Because a lot of the battle, yes, I understand the, the battle in the heavenlies. We see that in Daniel. I understand there's a battle to keep your prayers from being answered. And I believe there's also a battle in here. There's a battle in our flesh that doesn't want to pray. There's a battle in our flesh that doesn't want to believe. There's a battle in our flesh that wants to walk in fear. And when you begin to pray, you've got to confront every single one of those things if you want to have an effective prayer life. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you, you can drive out every one of those demons. Fear, unbelief, doubt, you can get them out if you just press in. You've got to be committed to this. I tell you, if you don't believe there's a benefit to this, you won't do it. How many of us today would go, oh, there's a great benefit to praying, but are you, are you committed to praying? Do you just pray a little bit here and there, you see? Or are you committed to the kind of praying that's going to bring you results? Amen? I believe we can all have amazing results if we'll do it. Now, we looked at Daniel, and I, just, I want to just reiterate a couple of points from last week. But we saw where Daniel is under King Nebuchadnezzar, who is not a godly king. He's not a Jewish king. Daniel's there, and the king has said, "Interpret my, tell me what I dreamed, and give me the interpretation. Nobody could do it. All the wise men are going, that's the craziest thing we've ever heard. You have to tell us your dream. How are we going to know what you dreamed? And Daniel also had never done anything like that. But he comes home and he goes, he tells us three Jewish friends, guys, this is what he said. Oh, what? Hey, guys, we got to believe God. Stop crying. Stop crying, Bill Shazer. Stop crying. You know, stop crying. Put yourself together. Because if we don't believe God, we're going to die. If you keep crying, we're going to die. Stop that. Now we need to cry out to God and pour our soul out to God and pray with everything we've got because we need a miracle. Okay, okay, Daniel. So they all prayed. 
They got a, an amazing miracle. What were they? God, we need a miracle. God, we've never seen anything like this, but we need a miracle. We, they didn't have time to argue. You think this will work? Well, I don't think this is God's will. I don't think God does things like that anymore. In fact, he's never done anything like that. Why should we expect God to do something like that? They don't have time for that. You know one reason why we don't pray? We have other, some other option. Oh, wait, God didn't do that. God didn't do that. Just, you know, maybe it just worked out over, you know. No. God's like, I want you to learn how to pray. In fact, God's given us stories like this story to teach us, right? To teach us to pray. So anyway, they get this, they get this miracle. God tells Daniel what the, in fact, he dreamed exactly what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. He knew everything. Not only that, he, he comes back, you know, and he, and he has the interpretation of the dream. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar, and he gives him this word. He tells him what he dreamed. And I, I love that he says this. He goes, God did this for me to keep us from dying. I just want to say God wants to give you your breakthrough. Do you see what I mean? God knows what your need is. Daniel, at that moment, did not realize that God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar's dream for the, for the kingdom. He didn't realize it was going to be written in a book. He didn't realize people were going to be studying it for thousands of years. His interpretation of the dream. All he knew was, if I don't get an answer, I'm going to die. You see what I'm saying? And he's like, God, help. If you don't help, I'm going to die. And he says, God answered to keep us alive, number one, and number two, because he wants to answer your dream. I just love that. You see, God blesses us, and he does kingdom stuff all at the same time. It's amazing how he weaves those two together. And as I mentioned last week, you know, you really don't know much about Daniel's prayer life before this happened, but what happens after this? He's praying three times a day. Why do you think Daniel's praying three times a day? Because his experience taught him something. What he has been through has taught him prayer works. And he committed himself to praying for the rest of his life. He had a revelation of how effective it is, right? And I'd say, too, he also learned a little bit about how to do it. I can tell you, I've been in certain seasons where I had a need for something, and I learned to pray consistently and persistently about certain things. And, and I, as I began to pray, as I would pray that way, I would recognize fervency would rise up on the inside of me. Intensity would rise up on the inside of me the more I would pray about it. Now, sometimes when you begin to pray, you don't feel that level of intensity. You don't feel that level of fervency, but the more you get into it, the more it comes upon you. And you begin to pray, and you begin, I begin to realize, wow, the more fervent I am, the stronger my prayer is, and I and I recognize I'm going to get an answer. Now, I would say that um, you don't need to pray an intense kind of prayer every time, but it needs to be completely sincere, completely heartfelt, and completely connected to God. Did you understand that? Mm -hmm. Daniel learned something about, number one, the effectiveness of prayer. Number two, how to pray and get answers, you see. And we have this story to teach us because of what he went through in life, you see. And what, what's he doing? He's pressing, he's knocking, he's continually being faithful to do this because he knows it's going to bring results, right? And where did most of Daniel's results come in life? It wasn't simply the one breakthrough prayer. It was the prayer that he was praying continually before God. Amen? Yeah. Continually before God. And you know the two things that I believe he's praying? Just like first, he's praying for his needs. But he's also praying for the kingdom of God. We see that in the way he prayed. He, he was praying about the kingdom of God, and also in the direction when he was looking, he was praying for what God was wanting to do. So, now, having laid that, relayed that foundation, I want us to go to Exodus chapter 17. 
In Exodus chapter 17, we have what I believe is another great example of uh, our spiritual battle, our battle to go forward, our battle to increase, our battle to progress in the things of God, to progress in life. And we also see the warfare that's against us. All right, so I want to read this story of about six, about eight verses, and then I'm then I'm just going to share some stuff with you about it. And uh, I really pray this again in your heart and mind because I so believe God's in this today. Okay, so okay now if you know Israel is in the wilderness here, and Amalek is another nation, and um, Amalek, by the way, represents evil. Uh, it's just like representing Satan does. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. Moses held up his hand. What's in his hand? The rod. When Moses held up that hand, Israel prevailed. When he let go, when he dropped that hand, Amalek prevailed. Amalek prevailed. That's a sad story, isn't it? Amalek, evil, was gaining ground. Wait a minute. Isn't Israel God's people? Isn't Israel the people that God wants to win? Is that not right? Isn't God on Israel's side? If God's on Israel's side, why is Amalek prevailing? That doesn't make sense. It says, when Moses' hand came down, what happened? Amalek prevailed, not God's will. Wow, wait a second, that's crazy. What's God trying to teach us in this? What is this written to us for? What are we supposed to learn from this that we're supposed to apply in our own lives? Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you this, if you believe the lesson, if you learn here, the word of God will change your life because you'll act on it. Amen. If you learn something and you don't act on it, you don't really believe it. You can say you believe it. You can tell people you believe it, but you don't believe it until you act on it. Amen. There are a lot of people walking around. Oh, I believe the word of God. Oh, I believe that lesson. You don't believe it if you don't act on it. I don't care what you say about your mental assent to it. That's not belief. There's a lot of people that will tell you, oh, I believe, oh, I believe. Well, are you doing what the Word of God says? Is it changing your life? If you're not, don't deceive yourself. You do not believe. There are a lot of unbelieving believers. A lot of unbelieving believers. Because they're not doing what the Word of God says. They'll learn something, oh, that was good today. Oh, did you sense that was a good word today? And you never do a thing that came out of the word for you. You never change your life. Let me tell you, the word of God's bit to come to you to change you, to change your situation, to give you truth to live out. Amen. If you don't live it out, it'll do you no good. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much theology you got in your brain. It won't do you a bit of good if you don't get something from the word of God and live it out. Amen? Amen. So many people think, oh, I know more than they know. Or I'm telling you, you can know a little and just act on that. It's better than knowing a whole lot and not living it out. Anyway, listen to this story. Learn from this story. and Do what you learn in this lesson. All right, so here he is. Moses' hands are up. What happens with Israel? They prevail. What do you think that means? What does the word prevail mean? Hands are down. Satan 
darkness, evil does what? I even hate to say it. I hate to say it. But when the hand is down with the rod in it, evil prevails. Darkness prevails. The devil prevails. Where will he prevail? Well, he'll prevail in this world when the church's hands are down. He'll prevail in our church when the hands are down. He'll prevail in your home when the hands are down. He'll prevail in your life when your hands are down. Telling you there's something really powerful here. If you want to go forward, if you want to go forward, you got to put your hand up. Yes, that's right. And it's got to have the rod of God in it. Yes. The authority Amen. that God's given you yes. over your life, over your family, over your circumstances. Amen. If you don't hold that rod of God over your life, over your home, over your circumstances, you cannot expect that you're going to win. Amen. That's right. You might go, why does the devil keep in good? Why does this keep happening? Why does that happen? Let me tell you why. It's because you got your hands down. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I don't notice any kind of big thing. You know, listen to this. This is so interesting. How God gave them a revelation. And God giving us the revelation. They would have never noticed if God hadn't done it this way. In this particular incident. There's a reason God did this. It's for us. God did it this way for us to see. For us to learn from. This only happened one time. It was an illustration that shows something naturally that's happening spiritually. Amen? Amen. So, it says, as Moses is doing this, his hands got heavy. How many of you just get heavy? You're tired. Tired of coming to church. <laughs> tired of praying. Tired of being faithful. I'm just tired. I need a break. Next week. I'm just so tired. I, have, I need a break. I'm ready. Man, Sundays is my relaxed day. I just need a break. Right? You know what you're doing. Moses' hands became heavy. Now, that's when he took it. His hands were heavy. I need a break. Guys, help. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Right. And Aaron and her came by, and there they go help them. They're supporting them on one side and on the other. They're supporting them. So, so he can do what? Yeah. Keep the hand up. Now, what are his hands up for? His hands are up for a large, big battle going on. Right? Why does Moses need to do that? Because Moses has a unique place of authority and call and responsibility there. You're responsible for your lives. You're responsible for your home. You're responsible for your part in the church, too, by the way. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But anyway, Aaron and her supported his hands, and his hands were steady till the going down of the sun. And Joshua defeated Amalek with the edge of the sword. Which is an amazing thing. All right. So, and the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, um, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. All right. So, I just I want to highlight something right here. Just a few things that I haven't already highlighted. Um, this, as I mentioned, Re Amalek represents our enemy, who's always there, right? And what does what does God say after this whole thing is done? He goes, "I want you to know this is a sign for how long, um, from generation to generation, as long as we're in this era, as long as Jesus hasn't come back yet." There's going to be war with Amalek. That's what he's saying. The enemy. Now, you got this very clearly delineated 
in Ephesians where Paul goes, we don't wrestle. Our battle is not with flesh and blood. Our real battle, that which was explained naturally, pictorially in the Old Testament, our real battle now is with spiritual forces. These are the real forces behind our battles. So you take what you learned, and now you go to a deeper level of understanding with it. And you realize all those things were written for us about the battles that we are in. And what did God say? He's declared war against Amalek, against evil, our arch enemy, which is the Jews saw Amalek as the arch enemy, against our arch enemy, the one against us perpetually, forever. Now, if God has declared war against our enemy, where does that put you? In a place of authority and power to walk it out. Amen? Amen. Is that not true? God's already declared. I'm against the enemy. I'm already against him. I've declared war. You can enter into my war and win if you want to. The same kind of victory they won is the same way we win it. Amen? We have to be willing to go in there. And one thing, too, I would just say, we have to learn how to defeat our enemy. Um, something that is mentioned here, if you see, there's two things that are happening here. First of all, you, got, you, you have um, Moses lifting up his hands, which I believe the authority represents the authority of God in prayer. Right? But what else do you have? You've got Joshua fighting. Right? Um, so uh, those two things have to work together. And also something else that you need to see in this is that not only um, is there a battle to keep him out of our territory, and this is the battle today. Okay. How many of you, uh, you ever... You ever had something crazy hit your brain? You ever realize that that could very often be the devil? You understand? I understand it's flesh, but there's no question that spiritual forces work to try to bring us down. There's no question that they're demonic forces speaking to us in our ears. And we don't even recognize that their voice is there. I think I've shared, well, probably some of you haven't heard this, but there was this woman serving the Lord, and she began to have these demonic issues, and then she began to just, I mean, this is a woman who'd been serving the Lord, and she'd just start cussing, and if you'd say, if you'd say the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus, she'd just go crazy. Her husband was like trying to pray for her, oh, in the name of Jesus, and I plead the blood of Jesus, she's like, ah, she poured coffee all over him. I mean, it was just crazy. The lady, I mean, it was just crazy. I remember the whole church was around her in a room, not the whole church, but like a lot of the leaders, there's probably would be about, I don't know, 10 or how something in there. And she was sitting on the floor in the middle of this big office, you know, just saying the most crazy things. And um, anyway, I was told, hey, there's this group, they play, they pray for demons to come out. Now I've seen demons come out of people. It's a wonderful thing. I've had demons come out of me after I got saved. And man, I just, man, if any demons want to, if I, if I can ever get an email out of me, praise God for, for that. I just want to just say I've been through things like that, and it feels good. You can have demons of depression, discouragement, confusion. Amen. You might think, oh, these are just natural things. No, they can be spiritual. And they can be so strong, they drive you. Anyway, this woman had something really strong in her. Really strong in her. And they're like, drive her to such and such a place. They'll pray for her all day all night and however long they need to. They'll pray for her all week if they need to. So I'm driving her there, and the husband has to hold her down, sitting in the back seat. Just She's just saying crazy things the whole time. It was like a three- or four-hour drive. That woman did not stop talking the whole time. And it was demonic stuff the whole time. No power, there no power in the church. Man, it got cold just wimps, 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 wimps. Satan has his way. He does. Oh, and she just said that the whole time. And I'm on the way there driving around going, wow. 
This is a revelation to me because I'm hearing in her voice what the devil's saying all the time in some way to all of us. You understand what I'm saying? He doesn't stop. And if you give him a door, he'll come in and speak to you. Right? So there's a keeping the devil out of our territory that has to be done. Right? But there's also an increasing territory that has to be done. This means God doesn't expect you just to have your own little realm of success. He wants you to expand the kingdom of God and drive out the devil, not just out of your family, out of your mind, out of your home. He wants you to drive it out of where you work, out of wherever you are assigned. That is your assignment. He wants you to recognize what's going on at some level in your nation and claim the power of God to drive out the enemy wherever he is and take on your assignment. Amen? Amen. So these two roles are supposed to be in the church. We're supposed to be getting people set free in the church and we're supposed to be expanding the kingdom to other people's lives, to culture. There are so many lives in our crazy culture. Our culture believes things today that are unreal stupid, unbelievably stupid. And the most intelligent, smart people can stand up and propagate those crazy beliefs. I mean, if you'd have tried to have done that 30 years ago, they'd have put you in the crazy house for, for hell. It's just, a, it's, a, it's stupor. It lies to the devil. Look what the lies of the devil do. And do you think it's going to slow down? No. How's it going to stop? How's it going to stop increasing? I've already told you that, haven't I? What's God doing? He's raising up an army Amen. of people in different places. And he's teaching everybody how to raise up the rod of God over their sphere of influence. Amen. To raise up the rod of God and use the authority they've been given in the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name over every name. Amen. Amen. And did not Jesus say, I've given you authority over all the works of the devil? But it won't do any good if you don't use it. Amen. Right. You can have the rod of God just sitting by your bed and just look at it. Oh, I have the rod of God. I have the rod of God. You better grab hold of it and stick it up right. and start using it. It won't do you any good laying beside your bed or putting it in a corner to take a picture of it. That's a beautiful rod. That is the rod of God. Look at that in the corner. Won't do you any good over there. Take that rod. You better start using it. Right. And I believe you, you know that the church, you know what the word, the ecclesia really is? It's not simply the body of Christ. It's composed of the body of Christ, but the ecclesia is, was the, is a called out. That was a word that was there, that was used in the culture at that time. What was it? It was a group called out to rule to make decisions and to rule. That's really an interesting thing. Jesus calls us the church, the ecclesia. That group called out to rule. Do you think maybe part of our whole identity goes into the place of, of beginning to rule and reign through prayer, through being like Joshua and fighting the battles that God places in front of us and overcoming the enemy wherever he might be? Do you, do, you, do you understand what I mean? Do you think there might be a place where the church world would begin to rise up and they would begin to say, wait a minute, we've got to be those that would lift up our place in prayer. We've got to be those that would do what needs to be done. Now, I just, I want to finish this kind of, message today with just one little point or area I want to highlight, okay? Moses, in this story, Moses is the one who raises the rod. And I believe that that, even though 
um, we all should be praying. I believe there's something special about that. And this is what I want to say about that. I believe that God gives certain people responsibility over certain things. Do you see what I'm saying? You all have responsibilities over certain things, and in where you you have a certain level of authority there based on the God-given responsibility that you have there. Does that make sense? Right? Now, you we are all being taken a rod of authority over what God's given us. Now, I just want to share this because I believe it's something the Lord's doing recently. You know, I don't remember if it was time flies. When was I talking about God waking me up at 4 o'clock in the morning? Is that when? Last week. I'm going, was that two weeks ago? Um, okay, so, so last Sunday I'm preaching and I'm sharing about God waking me up at 4 in the morning. And he woke me up at 4 in the morning. Right? Yeah, I, I, I'll hit the highlights of the story. One night I'm going to bed and I felt God just whisper a little bit, get up at four and play, just that sensing, and I, oh, that can't be God. It would just sort of bother me. Yeah, that wouldn't be God. Why did God give me up? And it's sort of late. I said, and that's why I said, God, if it's you, wake me up at four. If that's you, then you wake me up. And God woke me up. I mean, it was it was a shape. It was definitely, and I don't have any doubts whatsoever that angel shook me. Uh, exactly at four o'clock. So anyway, I want to move back beyond that. Well, I guess I need to tell you, I messed up. And I'm just, I sat on my bed. I was just like, and I kept trying to process what happened, and I was super tired. So, and I went back to sleep after God woke me up and prayed. Well, I preached that Sunday. And Monday morning, I woke up at 4 o'clock. And I got up, and I thought, man, I, maybe I should pray. And then I'm, I'm going, oh, I'm super tired. And as I'm saying that, I'm remembering what I just shared that day. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? And I'm going, no, maybe I shared that for a purpose. Maybe I'm remembering this for a purpose. Maybe maybe it was God that woke me up today, even though it wasn't as violently as before. Maybe it was God that woke me up and it's four o'clock. And so I began to pray. And after I entered into a prayer, and I just want to say that it doesn't always happen this way, but I knew I was praying from God. Yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't know it when I started. But after I got into it, I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And let me just say this. I believe right now, for all of you listening, this is so important for everybody. Right now, I believe God's given me a mandate to pray over this church in a different way. I'm praying that the devil be broken off of your lives, off of your minds, and it's it's not just going to be a one-day prayer. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm praying this, and I'm believing God, and I believe God is having me do this because God wants to bring breakthrough to people. Now, if you can just if you just sit at home, if Joshua just sat around and didn't fight, it doesn't matter that God's got the rod over his people. But I believe right now. There is a power being released through prayer that will bring you a new level of clarity of mind, of fervency. I believe there's some of you that have been in warfare, you know, confusion. Some of you come regularly to my mind, almost like you're in a battle right now when I'm praying. But my prayer, and I just, and I believe this is God. I believe God's putting a shield over people that are committed and called to this house. Uh, it's like a divine protection. You know, I believe I've been set in a role. I'm no better than anybody else. It's a responsibility. Do you understand? And I just believe in this season right now, God's given me this role to, to pray and to believe God. And I want to just say for all of you who will, you need to be praying this with me. Amen. Amen. That's what Aaron and her are doing. Yeah. They're joining in that same authority battle. They're holding up essentially the rod too. Do y'all see that? We all need to be praying. God, break the warfare off of this church. 
God, break the warfare off of such and such person, off of that marriage, off of that family. God, break the warfare off of that, break the warfare off of their son, break the warfare. You see what I'm, God, God is in a season right now of breaking the warfare. It's a real battle, and we've got to keep on until we win. Amen? Now, I will, I will just say this. We've got to persevere. You know what? Another reason why people stop praying, they pray for a few days, they get tired, they don't see results, they don't think God's doing anything, they stop. I was reading a book recently. The guy goes, you know, a lot of people, they go to the gym, and, um, you know, after a couple of weeks, they go, I'm not really changing significantly, and then they get a little discouraged, and they just stop, you know, a month or two later. But the people who make it a lifestyle, they end up getting in shape, they end up being healthy. They end up being strong. Why? Because they made it a lifestyle. Because guess what? Breakthroughs come little by little. And then sometimes they come a lot. I remember when I was a little fellow in um, high school, I started to lift weights. I can remember being stuck on one level for the longest time. We had these weights that were in these plates, right? Not, they weren't free weights. They didn't let us do those at the high school I was at. So anyway, um, and I can remember I being stuck on whatever it was the longest time. And when I jumped, I jumped about three plates in one day. I'm like, how did that happen? I don't even understand that, right? And that's what happens in God a whole lot. You keep faithful, you keep faithful, you keep faithful, then, boom, then your breakthrough comes, and it just happens that way. But most of the breakthroughs in life don't happen from them overnight. They happen like Joshua's breakthrough. How did Joshua break through? He kept fighting, 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 fighting. Going forward a little, going forward a little. He would have thought it was natural. There was nothing seemingly super spiritual about it at all. He's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting, he's fighting. He's making little progress, little progress. But they noticed something. Wait a minute. You notice, hey guys, did you notice when Moses puts his hands down that we start losing some men? Have you noticed we start backing up? Hey, hey, go up there and you tell Moses, keep his hands up. We're going to keep fighting, but you tell, and they're noticing that, you see. They learned something. If, if God had not given them that illustration, they would have thought, it's just, we're just going forward. We're fighting as hard as we, we're getting, they just would say, this is just natural. That is life. It just seems natural. You don't even recognize God is helping you win. Mm -hmm. He didn't go when Moses' hands are up, he goes, oh, oh, Moses' hands are up now. He didn't turn into, you know, some kind of action figure. I can't remember. I'm so old, I was going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger, but <laughs> you turn into that, you're old. Man, right? He's probably using a cane by now. But, you know, it's not like Moses lifted his hands. This is the mysterious way God works most of the time. He lifted his hand, and they prevailed. They, they were winning. They still had to fight. It still felt natural. Nothing felt supernatural and miraculous about it. But that prayer was going up. That authority going up. And they were increasing. They were increasing. That lesson is a lesson for every one of us today. You might not see benefit in keeping your hands raised. Keeping your prayer life going. You might not recognize what's going on. You might not realize that's why you're blessed. But if you pray and continually bring your life before the Lord, you shall be blessed. Amen. 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 Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your works to the Lord. How do you commit your works to the Lord? By prayer. How often do you commit the Lord, your works to the Lord? You should do it at least once a day. At least. That's like the least. David said, I order my prayer to the Lord in the morning, and then I wait expectantly. 
It's like I pray what I need, and then I just trust God's going to be in all that I do. Right? Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Why will your plans be established? Because God is going to get involved with your life. You will begin to prevail. Amen? Maybe it's little by little, but don't doubt that God is with you if you are committing your life to the Lord. And you've got to do it every day. Pray every day. I'm so tired. Oh, man, you don't know. You don't understand. If you only believed the benefit you're going to get out of sincerely bringing your world to God every day and praying over your life, man, you, 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 you'd be praying every day. You'd commit your life to the Lord every day. You'd commit your family to the Lord every day. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you again. This is a season to press through. Those of you who will agree with me, we're praying God for breakthrough over every person that's under this, let's call it a covering or this fear, blessing, increase, help, breakthrough in marriages, in homes, with children, breakthrough right? But let me just tell you, you need to be praying too. Mm -hmm. Like I just said, if Joshua doesn't do a thing, nothing happens. You need to go forward. You need to start reaching out to people. You need to start stepping out in faith. You need to start fighting the fight of faith. I am telling you, it's the time uh, for God's people to begin to go forward. Amen? Amen. And for those of you that can, man, I'm encouraging you, get yourself over here. Mm -hmm. It's good to be in this presence, isn't it? Amen. 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 And I can't wait. Man, I would. I don't know what God might do, but I know God's going to do something. Amen. I'd love to start a little group over in San Antonio and over in Austin. You know, George is telling me we got about 10 or 15 people in both of those places. I want that be great. You see what I'm saying? You know, things don't have to, you have to have a big building and all of the whatever. God like, God to use that, but I just want to say, God wants to go back to what's important. Yeah. And I love this. When God had thousands and thousands with Gideon. And he goes, nope. Um, whittle him down. And I forgot what he whittled him down to the first time. It was 10,000, right? Nope. I just, it's a big battle, God. It's, there are hundreds of, I mean, it's huge, God. Would, nope. You're too big. I, I want to do this through just a small group, because forever I want to show people I can deliver through many or through few, however I want to do it. 300? What? Oh, my gracious. God could have done it through three. God's going to do something really good. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you want to go forward. I hope you're, I hope when you go home today, you go, man, I want to pray. That's what church is about. You ought to go home wanting to do it. You want to pray? I hope you're thinking about stuff you want to commit to the Lord. Hey, I need a breakthrough in this. I know if I hold on to God, and I'm not going to give up in a week if it doesn't happen. I'm not going to give up in a month if I don't see a difference. I'm going to pray because I know that's what happens. Sometimes it's little by little. Sometimes, boom, it just happens in a day. We don't know how it's going to happen. But let God do it however God's going to do it. But I'm going to be in this season where I am, and I'm just going to be faithful. I'm trusting God's going to come through for me. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep holding on to God. I will see God come through because he is faithful. Amen. Amen. God says over and over, don't give up. Don't lose hope. He will come through for you if you do not lose heart. Amen. And what does it mean to not lose heart? It means to keep praying. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, agree with me right now in prayer. Why don't those of you here, why don't you just stand up? I feel like you're getting to another level of attentiveness when you do that. Lord, right now, we just pray blessing over this church. We pray blessing over every soul. God, I commit every person to you, every person who's been coming online, every person committed to this house. Lord, I know there's a warfare going on. I know there's warfare over the mind. There's warfare in families. Father, there's crazy thinking. God, but the devil just pummels people with crazy thoughts, with lies, with discouragement. God, with words of the devil. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I hold up the rod over this body, over every life, over every mind, over every spirit. And in Jesus' name, Satan, I command your powers broken. I break your assignment right now. I command you to go back. I command you to be defeated in every life. And God, I claim help. 
healing, wholeness, victory in every home. I declare it going forward in every home. God, this is our heritage that we shall win. We shall go forward. We shall take ground not only in our life, but in this world, God, we shall increase. We shall increase. God, I thank you for this season. And Lord, I thank you we are doers of the work, not just hearers. And God, when we go home today, God, we're changing. We've changed a little bit now, but we're going to keep changing because we're going to walk this out. And as we walk it out, whatever we go through, that's part of the change. As we're faithful, as we persevere, God, whatever happens, that's part of the process. God, we have to go through that to be what you've called us to be. So, God, we see that in your word. That's just the way you always work. So no matter what we see naturally, no matter what it feels like, God, we believe we're committed to this thing. We're going to walk it out now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, everyone. And we will see you next Sunday in church right here. We will see you right here. And if not, we'll see you on Zoom. All right.